Hello, everyone, and welcome to Lockdown Flames. On the Friday edition of Lockdown Flames, we are going to be talking with Stefan Rosner of NYI Hockey Now to talk all about this Flames and Islanders matchup because these two teams only meet twice a year. So why not get a little refresher ahead of tonight's game at the Saddle Dome here on Lockdown Flames. Your Locked On Flames, your daily podcast on the Calgary Flames. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Locked On Flames. As always, I'm your host, Jess Belmosto, here on a special Friday edition of Locked On Flames. I am so excited to have Stefan Rosner on the show today, where we are going to be talking about the matchup tonight. And, of course, I'm going to uh, wrap up with a segment that we haven't done in a while. Uh, Winners and losers of the week. I think, you know, today is a great day to kind of reflect on the week. And, uh, you know, take take a minute to reflect on those dubs that we've taken. But before we do that, remember to subscribe to Locked on Flames wherever you get your podcasts. And please remember to subscribe on YouTube as well. We can hang out there in the comments and have a great discussion. All right, let's dive right into this. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me today. Today, I have Stefan Rosner from uh, New York Hockey Now to talk all about the Islanders and Flames matchup tonight. How are you today? Doing good. Tired. These West Coast games, you know how it is, but uh, we, we power through. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So the Flames are catching the Islanders on the second half of a back-to-back. Uh, how did they play against the Oilers last night? And what are some of your concerns heading into tonight's game? Yeah, so the Islanders right now are on a four-game road trip. This is the last game of that road trip. Their starts have been abysmal, and that's putting it kindly. Last night, a 4-2 loss to the Oilers, but that game could have been 8-2, 7-2. I mean, they're a mess from the start, and that's an Edmonton Oilers team that goaltending's not a strength, but when you don't get shots in goal, it doesn't really matter. The Oilers just took it to them in the first and then carried that way through. The biggest concern is just the starts. When the Islanders don't get on the forecheck early, they can't get to their game. When they can't get to their game, not being that fast of a team, they allow the opponents to get up the ice, transition. And, I mean, they got a win against the Canucks uh, two games before, a 6-2 win, but that was a bad start. But, again, against bad teams, sometimes you could go back and and figure it out in the second and third periods. But against an Oilers team, they could not. And the Flames, if they go down early, it's going to be a tough one. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that's – a very similar problem to the Flames, especially against a very high speed, high paced, high energy team like the Oilers. Um, I feel like it's impossible to just come back from behind against them uh, simply because, you know, they're the Oilers. But what are some positives? What, what are some positive trends so far this season for the Islanders? I feel like they've kind of flown under the radar. Yeah, so I mean, they've been a very inconsistent team all year, but the one standout is more offense. And that's just not the forwards producing. Uh, Lane Lambert now is the coach. When Trotz was fired, he's activated the d- defense a little bit more. They're getting up in the rush, up in transition. They're shooting more. Dobson's got 12 goals on the back end. I think he's second in the league to Carlson. Wow. Um, the biggest issue for the honors, though, which, again, is out of their control is injuries. And they're not just – they're freak injuries. You know, Wallstrom lays a hit, gets hurt. Holmstrom cuts the slot, gets hurt. Pellet gets hit. 
hard and his head hits the boards. I mean, they've been banged up. Their call-ups have been great. You know, you can't really complain about their call-ups, but there, there hasn't been that many positives other than that they're getting more production from the back end, which is helping to mitigate the struggles of the forward group. But at the same time, they have taken a hit on their defensive play. You know, their gap control, especially so far in this road trip, has been pretty bad. And against fast teams like, you know, the Oilers with McDavid or even the Flames when you, you got guys that could just fly up the ice, it's going to be a major issue. So I think right now the only positive really is the defense activating. I guess that they're also in the playoff mix. They're in such a tight metropolitan division. The fact that they have so many injuries that have been so inconsistent that the fact that they're still in it, that's got to be a positive at this point. Yeah, no, I definitely, again, very similar to the Flames and they wildly inconsistent teams. So I feel like we're going to have probably some fun tonight watching this and hopefully it'll be uh, an entertaining game. How are their special teams performing? Because I know for the Flames, it their power play has been horrendous, but their penalty kill is just out of this world. So, yes, yeah, so the Islanders penalty kill is in the middle of the pack. They're around 81%. They started the season, I think, eight games straight. They didn't allow a power, uh, power play against, which was good. They've fallen off a bit. Again, 81%. The power play has been a disaster. Uh, right now, I think they're on a two for 36 run right now, and they're at 18.5%, which is towards the bottom half of the league. They try to make the smart, uh, the the cool play or, the, or the, the nasty, nifty play rather than just get shots on goal, which, again, when you're not going to score five on five early in games, you get those power play chances. I mean, the Islanders had a power play late in the game yesterday, could really turn the tide, and they don't come through. They, they've allowed a shorthanded goal. So the Islanders, have, I think, have allowed three or four shorthanded goals this year. So special teams, the penalty kill has allowed them to stay in game and especially gain points early in the year, but the power play has not really come through in those big moments yet. And we know, and you know, that if you do make it to the playoffs, when you get those chances, when the defense tightens up, when you get power play opportunities, you got to find a way to come through. And right now the Islanders just are not. Yeah, absolutely. And I did an episode earlier this week about how special teams, you know, are so vital come postseason. And, you know, that's how you win games. And right now the flames just, they don't have it. They don't have it on the power play, but what, anything else you'd like to add? How's um, Matt Barzal playing this year? Yeah. Well, Matt Barzal right now is on a, five game goal streak with six goals. He's, he started the season, you know, no goals in his first 18 games and got a couple quick, but right now he's firing on all cylinders. And it's, it's weird that he's doing it with, you know, Oliver Wallstrom who's been out injured for a little bit now was his go-to right winger and, and Lambert has him with Casey Zizekas now. And for some reason, a fourth line center playing wing for the first time in his career, he has just clicked one. Th- I mean, the reason why is because he, has the speed to keep up with Barzell, which not a lot of players can do. And he also understands his role. You know, Wallstrom's biggest struggle was finding open space. He wanted to get the puck and carry it. If you play with Barzell, you just got to get to an open space and take some attention away from him. And then if everyone goes to Barzell, he'll find you, which is what he did to give Sezikis a goal against the Canucks. Um, one thing that uh, Flame fans should know is that Varlamov, it's a back-to-back. He's going to make his first start since December, I think it was 17th, when the Islanders played the Golden Knights. He got hurt. And he oh. left and he, had, and he was on a great run too. I think he had won, you know, he had been at the top of his game really before he got hurt and he's back tonight. So the, another thing is if the Islanders don't play lockdown defense early and they let him get exposed and he doesn't get to settle in. Mm-hmm. And if I'm the flames, I'm shooting everything I will early just to test him. I mean, he's going to be rusty. He hasn't played. He's practiced a couple of days. That's about it. So again, if it's going to come down to, to defense for the Islanders tonight, just because with a guy in net, I mean, I'm a goalie, you know, when you're first going back into a game after a while, you'd rather see, you want to see some shots early, but you don't want to be under fire and under siege. And yeah. 
So far on this trip, the Islanders have allowed their Sorokin, who's played eight straight before he's going to have the night off tonight, to just get exposed in the first period. And if it wasn't for Sorokin early, these games would be over before the end of the first. Yeah, so that's the thing about the Flames, too, is that they will, they're not always the prettiest shots. They're not always those high danger shots, but they will fire anything off, uh, you know, just to generate those chances because you never know what could go in. And for the Islanders, I kind of wonder if they have to do like a little bit of like a shift in mentality now because they've been playing in front of Sorokin for so long that, you know, you know that like your goalie's got you. But now you kind of have to put in a little bit of extra work here in terms of, you know, who you're playing in front of. Yeah, I mean, Varlamov has been great. He's been a revelation this year after a really strug- a really bad year last year mixed with injuries. A lot of things went wrong for the Islanders last year. We all know what happened. Varlamov's been great, but I think the one thing, especially when you have such elite goaltending, is that you- not that you trust him a little bit more, but when you make a mistake, you know that Sorokin nine times out of ten is going to bail you out. Now, Varlamov's bailed the Islanders out so much this season, but he's not Sorokin. He's not the athletic guy that Sorokin is, where Varlamov might probably can't make that one to two saves that Sorokin makes on a nightly basis. So again, like you said, you're playing with Varlamov behind you. You need to lock it down a little bit more. You need to be more responsible. Cause again, when you're not responsible, it's okay. Sorokin's got you a goalie. That's been, been cold, not playing. You got to play well. And, and the best defense for the Islanders is offense. And it's, again, we went back to forechecking how important forechecking is when you forecheck the opponent, you don't allow them to transition, which means they probably just going to go up the ice and dump it and change. Now you're back on the attack. And that's the biggest thing. If the Islanders can get on the forecheck early and limit the Flames' transition game, they don't have to play amazing defense because they'll be on the attack more. And the biggest thing this this road trip is that they have not been on the attack at all. And it's pretty much just been, all right, chip the puck out and change. But the problem is they can't get the puck out. And then it leads to goals against and penalties. And that's why we find the Islanders, you know, going in the wrong direction right now in 2023. Oh, yeah. No, that sounds very familiar. So uh, we'll have to see who is winning the battle of inconsistency tonight here at the Saddle Dome. Thank you so much for joining me. Is there anything else you wanted to add before I let you go? Win or lose, have fun, right? That's how it works. That's how that's the sport. But no, I mean, the greatest thing we've seen in the NHL every year, but even this year is bad teams beat good teams, good teams beat bad teams. And it's not about how much, how well you play. It's really just limiting chances. And I think for the flames and for the Islanders, mm-hmm. scoring first is scoring first is critical. I mean, the Islanders, when they score first, I think they're 14 and four. So, I mean, it's just about getting bucks in that early. And I, uh, Markstrom starting for the flames tonight. I believe so. Yes. So Markstrom versus Varlamov. I mean, these teams have played each other before. I know the flames visited the Islanders to open UBS arena last year. So yes. there's some history there. I think the flames actually were the first team the Islanders ever hosted when they first became a team. So oh. Yeah, fun Interesting. fact there. But um, so yeah, it should be a fun game. Again, the Islanders, second of a back-to-back. They want to end their road trip. You would think they come out hungry, but they haven't yet. So, so we'll see what happens. Yes. And where can people find you on Twitter or your social media and some of your work? Yeah, so my my Twitter at is Stefan, S-T-E-F-E-N, underscore Rosner, R-O-S-N-E-R. And you could find my work at nyihockeynow.com. All right. Thank you so much. I greatly appreciate it. No problem. Thank you, Stefan, and all the Islanders fans who are tuning into today's episode. And we are going to take a quick break to talk about our friends at Built Bar. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. And uh, if you're looking for a delicious treat but don't want all the calories, well, then you know that Built Bar is for you. 
we just got through the holidays and I know that everybody's kind of in that mode where they're like, okay, New Year's resolutions, let's go. Or if you're hitting the gym more or if you're looking to gain some muscles, Built is perfect for you. It's a healthy and actually tasty treat. Why are Built Bars so good? Well, for starters, they're covered in 100% chocolate and yes, that is real chocolate. And they come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, and coconut almond. I'm not sure how Built does it because I'm not a scientist, but the Built Bars do taste like candy bars. And all you need to know is that you can get them at Built.com and they are available at Sam's Club or Walmart. And that's right, head to your nearest Walmart today and walk to the pharmacy section and grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can pick up a pick up a four-bar box of cookies and creams, cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puff. If you're close to Sam's Club, run in and grab a 13-bar box with our hit flavors, brownie batter, and churro. Ooh, I actually have a Sam's Club right down the street from me, so maybe that's what I'll do after this today. The Flames. We, we, we do need to talk about them. That game against the Jets was highly entertaining, I will say. I have never seen a nothing-nothing hockey game be so entertaining. I was watching the Rangers and Canadians last night, and the first period of that game was boring. And it was scoreless. So I just have to say that maybe it's, maybe it's not just the uh, offense that gets fans into the game. But I, I do have to say that even though they lost, yes, they lost 3-2, to two, I am thoroughly, thoroughly impressed with their performance. I think that they should be proud of how they played. And I think that it would be very wrong in doing the team a disservice if I sat here and talked about uh, the things that went wrong in that game. We know that the power play is not good. We know that the penalty kill is good. <laughs> and last season, the thing that was that made the Flames so successful was the cut, copy, and paste mentality that every game had. It was easily replicable. <laughs> replicable. That word gets me every time. And I, if, if this team can do what they did against the Jets in a major, a good majority of their games moving forward, they're going to have a successful season. And I don't want to sit here and just complain because what is what does that do? Nothing. They still have a good portion of the season left. And I, I want to see what else is left in their tank. I think it's I think it's possible. Goaltending looked fantastic and I think Markstrom will be starting tonight. And I feel like he is locked in. I feel like he has finally there. He's a hundred percent there and we are seeing that for sure. And you know he made back-to-back incredible saves he looked like last season's Markstrom and I don't think any of us should complain I think that he just looked absolutely fantastic and I loved every second of it I thought that um the one thing I do want to see more of though is I I don't want to see goals from only the defensemen I know that Backlund scored in the third period but Zadorov can't be the only person scoring throughout a large portion of the game we need to see the Flames forwards kind of – I know that this team really does like to take those maybe not high-quality and high-danger shots, but maybe we kind of focus on that. 
Uh, especially because tonight, you know, we do have uh, Varlamov in net for the Islanders, and he hasn't played in a while. You just want to shoot the puck. <laughs> you want to get something good past him and find that rhythm. Find that rhythm for yourself and, of course, the rest of the team, so that way they can get into it. And I know, I know you guys are tired of hearing me talk about it, but it is time to stop running the Lucic, Huberto, Kadri line. It's it's time. We need to get some speed up on that second line. It's not a matter of anything anymore. You know, their expected goals is less than 50%, and that's not good. <laughs> that's not good. You want, I, I believe it's around 39%, and according to Money Puck, and you don't... <sighs> You don't want to be below 50%, let alone in the 30s. So it would just, it's really doing this team a disservice to not have a uh, faster, more solid, offensive, producing winger on that line. And I'm just going to cut, copy, and paste this segment into future episodes because I don't know how many times I can say it. So we'll see how they look tonight. And of course, you know, we'll just move forward from that. But there's really not much else I can do or say. But and I don't think Daryl Sutter is going to uh, move forward with a different line for some time. I do want to shine light on his comment regarding Dylan Dubé. Uh, he said that Dylan Dubé is by far the most improved player this year. So stick taps for Dubé. You absolutely love to see it for him. I think that he, that little tough love goes a long way for some people. And we saw it with Gaudreau last year in terms of transforming his game. And of course, watching Dylan Dubé go from like a middle six player, mainly a bottom six player, to be honest, to a top line winger and having the performance that he's having is great. I think that that is something that we need to just relish in because I was I was really worried about the consistency of that top line and I think it comes down to you know Huberto did play on that top line for a little bit but he is more beneficial on the second line and having Dubé up there really elevates that that line as a whole Elias Lindholm uh, has 12 points in his last nine games and that shouldn't go unnoticed at all. He is playing fantastic. And credit to his wingers, to Foley and Dubé. So, you know, we do just need to take a moment to appreciate that. And coming up next here on Locked on Flames, we are absolutely going to be wrapping up with a fun segment today to wrap up the week with winners and losers of the week here on Locked on Flames. And thank you all so much for hanging out with me here at Locked on Flames. You can follow me on Twitter at Jess Belmosto. I'm always tweeting. I'm chronically online. Uh, it is my job as a social media manager to be online. So look at that. If you are new here, you may not know this segment. Uh, I used to do it weekly, but you know, there's been plenty else to talk about besides a filler segment, I guess, right? But this week... I think we really need to look back and name our winners and losers of the week because this week has been a lot. I think it, it this week has been bigger than sports. And it's not just about the wins 
and the outcome of games or seeding and the playoff picture. It's about sportsmanship, that family bond, the brotherhood, the sisterhood of sports. You know, it's really about the behind the scenes stuff as well. So these aren't in any order by any means. Normally I'll name just one for this category uh, per category, but I do think that this week does deserve a little bit more of a discussion because of how heavy this week has been in the sports world. Athletic trainers, okay? They they are number one. So yes, this one is ranked number one. I know I said they're not in any order, but this one. Athletic trainers and the EMTs on uh, at the Monday night football game literally saved DeMar uh, Hamlin's life, who is now off of his breathing tube and showing positive strides in his recovery. And, you know, someone made an interesting post saying that, you know, the the people who were paid the least on that field Monday night did saved someone's life. And it's just, again, it puts it into perspective, like, yeah, your salary, you make millions of dollars, but like what what kind of contributions are you making? Um, and that's not to like dog on athletes or anything, but it's again one of those situations where, you know, entertainment versus actual life saving abilities. Uh the athletic trainers for the Bills just went out there and just they did their job. They saved Damar Hamlin's life. To perform CPR for a minute is exhausting. I've done it um, in CPR trainings, but to do it for nine minutes, that's a lot. That That is a very long time to be doing compressions. Um, I think a lot of people are just still overwhelmed with emotion in terms of that game. I know I, know I am. Uh, I've been talking about it a lot this week with my friends and my family, and it is so much bigger than sports, and I am so grateful. Experience with loved ones who have relied on EMTs and um, athletic trainers in the past where you... EMTs are incredibly important for anything. I'm not sure if they're called EMTs or EMS in Canada or something else, but uh, are life-saving measures for a reason. So thank you so much to everyone who has, uh, you know, performed life-saving measures. You're a true winner. And then, of course, the fans. If there's one thing that Bill's Mafia does... It is donations. It is these charitable contributions. It does not matter if it's um, an opponent who got hurt on the field or if it's one of their own. They go out of their way to make donations. Damar Hamlin has a charity that he started back in 2020, Toy Drive, basically. So people would donate money and then he would go buy toys for children in the area. And I think the goal was like $2,500. I think it's past like three or four million dollars in just a few days. It's amazing how people rally together and have rallied around the Bills community and the Hamlin family as a whole, I think is so important. And I I really think that football this weekend is I know, I know it's the end of the season and it's all for seeding, but so, again, some things are bigger than football, and maybe we just 
take a week off. You know, we jump into it next week. I think it's obvious that, you know, fans coming together for Bill's Mafia for since, I mean, for goodness sake, this happened like in front of thousands, tens of thousands of fans too. Like they saw it too. So coming together for the Bengals community as well. And, you know, it's, it's it's been a week. That's really how I feel like I can I can only describe it. I think it's been a week, and uh, really grateful for the strong bonds that the sports community kind of brings out in each other when it's for good. And now, unfortunately, I have to talk about anyone that's complaining about the Bills and Bengals just not resuming their game, uh, or people who are complaining about seeding. Because the Bengals were named AFC North champions, but people are like, well, they didn't play. And it's like, there's a reason they didn't play. And, um, you know, I, but I have seen people saying, like, I think if they win Sunday, that, like, truly solidifies uh, their, their number one seed in their division or whatnot. But... <sighs> Again, this stuff is so much bigger than football. It's bigger than sports. Um, I oh, also loser of the week. This this is pathetic. Um, I hated the the NHL roster announcement for the All Star games. Doing it in two separate intermi- intermissions is useless. It's dumb. Just do it all in one. No one cares. It's the All Star game. This is just another way for the league to make money. Players just want a break in the middle of their season. Yet here you are forcing them to go to the all-star game or serve a one game suspension. So that is all I have for today. feel like it was a good day, good day to take a break from all the heavy negativity and kind of throw out some appreciation. And thank you all for tuning into Locked on Flames.